The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I've spent most of my life in the presence of troubled sports teams. Growing up in the Chicago area, I was always aware of how long the Cubs had gone without winning a World Series title. It was less a point of pain and more a numb spot in the collective conscience of everyone around me. When I moved to Boston in the late 90s, I discovered a similar culture, this time centered around the Red Sox. Again, here was a team that had spent decades waiting. Year after year, hope would be manufactured and piled high in the cart of expectations, only to have that cart dumped on its side at the end of each season. Until 2004, that is. That was the year things changed. That was the year that brought the Tower of Hopelessness and Doubt, a tower that took 86 years to construct, brick by brick, year after year, and brought it all crashing down. The wait was over. Now, I don't plan to talk about baseball today, but I do think that the story of these teams, like the Cubs and the Red Sox, have something valuable to teach us about how our minds work. Our ability to justify, to explain, to make sense of what seems so often to not make any sense at all. That's what I find fascinating. Humans are so very good at finding reasons. Lurking behind the Red Sox 86-year wait like a shadow, and still hovering over the Cubs after 107 long years, are the excuses. More specifically, the curses. I mean, how else are we to explain such droughts, such logic-defying gaps in their scorecards? Of course, both of these teams had to be cursed, right? But the Bambino and Billy Goat weren't the first curses in history, and they were far from the last. And while some curses have been entertaining or even laughable, others have defied explanation long enough to make people wonder. In fact, some have even been deadly. I'm Aaron Mankey, and this is Lore. The word curse comes from the Old English word curse. Just drop the E, and you'll have the root. The meaning isn't actually very clear, but one of the uses of the Old English word is to denote a path or a route. Now, I'm no etymologist, but I think the word picture here is actually pretty clear. Life is like a journey. Sometimes we walk along the path of our choosing, and sometimes we're pushed off and into the woods. It's in those moments of chaos, of the unexpected and the unfortunate, that we feel like we've lost control. It's as if someone or something has knocked us off the path we were traveling. In those moments, it might be appropriate to say that we've been cursed. The curses as concept, though, have been around since the beginning of humanity. In the earliest examples, a curse was a punishment 
handed out by a deity to misbehaving or devious human beings. The story of Adam and Eve in the Christian Bible is full of curses, doled out after their disobedience to God's instructions. Hard physical work, painful childbirth, and expulsion from paradise are all described as curses. The Irish speak of curses as if they were something like birds. Once a curse is spoken aloud, they say it can float around a place until it finds its intended target. If the receiver wasn't in the room, a curse could drift around for up to seven years. Not aimlessly, though. The curse was like a heat-seeking missile, waiting until the moment when the person would arrive. In Scandinavia, curses were more like bullets. A person might utter a curse at an enemy, but it could be turned back or returned to the speaker, where it would deal the effects of the curse on the speaker instead. Think Harry Potter wand duels, if you will. The Moors of the Middle Ages also had a very interesting tradition involving curses. It was said that if a man followed a prescribed set of rules and requirements, he was allowed to ask others to help him with something important. If, after jumping through all of the correct hoops, his request was still refused, a curse was said to descend upon all who refused him. Not a specific curse that he made up himself, but a general social curse as if tradition itself were punishing the unhelpful people. According to legend, the Celtic people of Europe used curses in a powerful way. If a tenant farmer was fired and evicted from the land that he had been working, he would quickly go and gather stones from all over the property. Then, he would put those stones in a lit fireplace, fall on his knees, and pray. What did he pray for, exactly? Well, they prayed that for as long as the stones remained unburnt, every possible curse would descend upon their landlords, his children, and all the generations after them. And then, rather than leave the stones in the fireplace where they could eventually become burned, thus ending the curses, they would gather them up and scatter them all across the countryside. Curses have been there since the beginning, it seems. But over time, they have evolved to be more than just something you do to another person, as if they were weapons. Many of the stories that we tell on dark nights around campfires have more to do with the implications. You see, sometimes the horrible tragedies of life refuse to be explained away without the mention of a deadly curse. When Prince Amado of Savoy told his father in 1867 that he planned to marry Maria Vittoria Dal Pozzo, his father was enraged. Sure, she was of noble birth, but she was no princess, and she certainly wasn't worthy of the son of a king. He was said to have cursed their union. On the morning of their wedding, Maria's dressmaker committed suicide. Maria took the hint and found a different dress to wear. Later, as the bridal party made their way to the palace church in a grand procession, one of the military leaders fell off his horse and died right there in the street. The wedding procession continued on, though, and finally reached the palace gates, only to find them shut. A quick inspection revealed the reason why. 
The gatekeeper was found in the gatehouse, lying in a pool of his own blood. The death toll continued, though. Immediately after the wedding, the masked man shot himself in the head. The wedding party headed to the train station, and perhaps in an effort to outrun the curse. But when they arrived, the man who had drafted their marriage contract had a brain hemorrhage and died on the spot. He was soon followed by the station master, who somehow got pulled under the royal train carriage and was crushed to death. The king apparently saw a pattern and recalled the entire party to the palace. While they were leaving the train, though, one of the noblemen fell beneath the same train car. A medallion on his chest, most likely a gift from the king, was pushed through his skin, stabbing him in the heart. Maria was the final victim of the curse, they say. She died in childbirth at the age of 29. Timur the Lame, or Tamerlane as he was known, was the great-great-grandson of Genghis Khan, taking the throne in 1369. He was a vicious Mongol warlord and was known for his bloody military campaigns. He often built pyramids after his victories. Not with stone, mind you. No, he preferred to use the heads of the defeated army, sometimes tens of thousands of them. He died in 1405, and I imagine more than a few people were elated at the news. He was buried in an area that we now know as Uzbekistan, and a large jade slab was placed over his tomb as a safeguard. The stone was inscribed with a word of warning. When I arise from the grave, it said, the world will tremble. Some reports say that another message referred to a great battle that would be unleashed should his grave ever be disturbed. You see where this is going, right? In 1941, Joseph Stalin sent a team of Soviet archaeologists to look for Timur's tomb. When the local Uzbek elders heard of the search and planned excavation, they spoke out in protest. They made reference to an old book that made it clear just how bad of an idea it was to open the tomb. They spoke of a curse. They spoke, but no one listened. On June 21, 1941, the tomb of Tamerlane was opened and his skull was removed. The very next day, Hitler's forces crossed into the Soviet Union, beginning the largest German military operation of World War II. In fact, if the Second World War had a great battle, this was it, hands down. The body of Tamerlane was studied for over a year while the Soviet Union was torn apart and destroyed by Hitler's army. All told, the Soviet Union lost 26.6 million men and women to the invasion, more than any country in human history. It's unclear why, but in November of 1942, the Soviets decided to return Timur's body to the tomb, complete with a proper Islamic burial. Days later, the German invasion was repelled at Stalingrad, finally pushing them back to the west and marking a turning point in the war. A turning point, some say, that was caused by the curse. The idea of the curse is common throughout folklore, and many popular stories use it as a plot device. The cursed spinning wheel of Sleeping Beauty, Snow White's cursed apple, and the cursed brothers of the Seven Ravens all come to mind. 
But there's another example in Irish tradition that tops them all, however obscure it might be. There's an ancient Norse work called The King's Mirror that tells a fascinating story about St. Patrick. Patrick, of course, was known for his work spreading Christianity throughout Ireland in the 5th century, but he apparently did not always meet with success on his travels. According to the account, St. Patrick once visited a clan that lived in the southern kingdom of Ireland called Ossery. Like any other visit, Patrick's mission was to bring his message of Christianity to the people there, but it appears that he struck out. The King's Mirror goes on to describe how the people of the clan made every effort they could to insult both Patrick and the god he represented. Patrick, to his credit, carried on and tried his best. He preached the same message he always did, then followed the same protocol, meeting with the clan in their place of assembly. But the people wouldn't hear him out. Instead, they did something that might seem incredibly odd to our modern ears. They howled like wolves. It's not that they laughed at him and it happened to sound like howling. These people literally howled at St. Patrick. The reason was incredibly logical. The totem, or spirit animal, for this clan happened to be the wolf. To them, they were just responding to the message of an outside deity with the sounds of their own. Now, this was pretty unheard of for St. Patrick. And the fact that this event was recorded in a Norse history book highlights just how unusual it was. But even more unusual was Patrick's response to this stubborn, insulting clan. Clearly upset, Patrick stopped speaking and began to pray. It was said that he asked God to punish the people of the village for their stubbornness. He wasn't specific, but he asked for some form of affliction that would be communal that would carry on through the generations as a constant reminder of their disobedience. According to the story, God actually listened. It was said that the people of Osri were forever cursed to become the very thing they worshipped, wolves. And this curse followed a very specific set of rules. Every seven years, one couple from the village of Osri would be transformed into a wolf. They would be stuck in this form, day and night, year after year, until the next couple would take over, transforming into wolves themselves. Part of the curse was said to be how the people of Ossery maintained their human minds while in the form of a wolf. But although they thought and spoke as humans, they were equally bound to the cravings of their new form. Specifically, the craving for human flesh. In this way, The curse affected everyone, from the man and woman transformed to the people around them who lived in constant fear of being attacked. Ever since that day, so the legend goes, the people of Ossery have been cursed. There's media hype, and then there's grasping at straws. For some people, declaring someone or something to be cursed adds an air of mystery and drama. It's the sexy bit, and sex sells, right? For example, the Kennedy family story is sad and tragic, but when we add a dash of curse, 
we elevate it to near-mythic proportions. Other people, though, really do believe. Either they've experienced the sting of unexplainable misfortune, or they've watched the lives of people around them crumble for no discernible reason. The human mind wants answers. It demands them. It seeks them out. People love story, but only the ones with closure. And that's what curses offer us. At the end of the day, curses help us make sense of a thing, or a person, or a place that seems to be haunted by misfortune. They act like a walking stick for people who are having a difficult time staying on the path. They help us make sense of life. I can imagine that life in the 6th century in Ireland was incredibly difficult. And it would make sense that eventually someone would begin to tell stories that tried to explain the harshness of that life. Stories about a curse, perhaps. When someone failed to return from battle, or a hunting trip, or even travel between two villages, it was hard to not have all the answers. Stories about attacks from local werewolves certainly did their part in explaining these disappearances. But they were just stories, right? Gerald of Wales was a 12th century historian who recorded something interesting. He had been sent to Ireland by King Henry II to record the local history there. According to him, a local priest requested his company while he was visiting. This priest sat down and told Gerald an amazing tale. According to the report, he had been traveling near the western border of County Meath, close to what would have been ancient Ossory, and had camped for the night in the woods. That night, with his fire burning low, Someone approached him from the darkness beyond the firelight and spoke. Obviously, the priest was frightened. He thought that he had been alone. But the voice of a man called out to him with great urgency. The man spoke of his wife, who was sick at home. He was worried and wondered if this man of God might come and at least perform last rites for her. Reluctantly, the priest agreed. He gathered up his belongings and followed the voice into the woods. They traveled a short distance until they came to a large, hollow tree. There, the priest noticed two frightening things. First, there was something or someone lying inside the tree, presumably the sick wife. Second, though, he realized that the voice was not coming from a man at all but a wolf. He was taken aback. How, he asked the wolf, was he able to speak like a man? And the wolf's answer was simple. Centuries before, he said, his people had been cursed by a traveling priest, forever doomed to become wolves. The priest prayed over the man's wife, attended her illness, and the couple was gone by morning, never to be seen again. This episode of Lore is made possible by June's Journey 
Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance as you immerse yourself in the world of June's Journey, a hidden object mystery mobile game that puts your detective skills to the test. Play as June Parker and investigate beautifully detailed scenes of the 1920s whilst uncovering the mystery of her sister's murder. With hundreds of mind-teasing puzzles, the next clue is always within reach. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Plus, you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. I'm willing to bet that, like me, you work crazy hours and are desperately in need of easy ways to relax. I love that I can open up June's journey and dig in for a little while, searching for hidden objects, fine-tuning my sense of observation, and enjoying the gorgeous artwork are all so, so helpful in letting me unwind. Mystery, danger, and romance. Where will each new chapter take you? Relax and lose yourself in this captivating quest of mystery, murder, and romance. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode was made possible by Article. Every single day, I sit down at my desk and I make podcasts. And that's something that I've done for years on a desk from Article. The quality is absolutely amazing, delivery was dead simple, and everyone who sees it can't help but comment on it. Maybe that's because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. I honestly can't get enough of all of those clean lines, rich colors, and gorgeous wood finishes. Article's team of designers are all about finding the perfect balance between style, quality, and price. They're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time and they'll send you updates every step of the way. And their knowledgeable customer care team is there when you need them to make sure your experience is smooth and stress-free. Article is offering our listeners $50 off their first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash lore, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash lore for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. This episode of Lore was researched, written, and produced by me, Aaron Mankey. Lore is much more than a podcast. There's a book series in bookstores around the country and online, and the second season of the Amazon Prime television show was recently released. Check them both out if you want more lore in your life. I also make two other podcasts, Aaron Mankey's Cabinet of Curiosities and Unobscured, and I think you'd enjoy both. Each one explores other areas of our dark history, ranging from bite-sized episodes to season-long dives into a single topic. You can learn about both of those shows and everything else going on all over in one central place theworldoflore.com slash now. And you can also follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Lore Podcast, all one word, and then click that follow button. When you do, say hi. I like it when people say hi. And as always, thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.